Hey man, I'm trying to help some of y'all. Some of y'all, some of y'all feel like I'm wasting my time, but we're wasting our time. I respect you more if you just say, Coach, I can't play for you. I can't do drill. I can go down. We can get you out. But you just going out here, just going through the motions. It ain't gonna be. We got standards. Either you gonna meet those requirements or you won't be here. Some of y'all, this might be your last time putting a uniform on the next two games. If you could have played for another team, another team would already signed you. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you were sitting at the crib, if you were just sitting around and you weren't nowhere, it's a reason. And now if you keep on putting that reason on film, then they're going to say, well, all right, that go the second time, he couldn't keep a job. Then all you're doing is stacking the blocks against you. Look in the mirror. Don't go tell, oh, Coach Butler, oh, he just hate me here. Yeah. I don't hate nobody here. I love everybody. But I dislike some of y'all football with a passion. Some of y'all football sucks. And you ain't man enough to know it sucks because you're trying to be hard. Well, I know he ain't talking to me. I'll do this. No, you won't. You won't do nothing but take what I'm telling you and either get you a job or won't get a job. By the time we kick off in Winnipeg on Thursday, you better make up in your mind yeah, I'm trying to get a job for the Raiders and let me go out there and show if I can play the way they want to play. The storm coming. I hope you build the ship. The storm coming. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Just win, baby. Raider Nation, and welcome back to the Las Vegas Raiders Lounge Podcast. I am Benny Spielberg here to go over the latest Hard Knocks episode featuring our favorite Oakland Raiders. I am, of course, joined by Marquee Mark. Mark, how much did you love that episode, babe? I really dug it, Benny. Uh, like I always say, this show just has that momentum that's clearly rolling us right into week one. It got me very excited for their opening Monday nighter against the Broncos on September 9th. I loved that HBO was catering to the crowd here. The The social media, the, the talk of the town is they're loving the Gruden content. For sure. And they went heavy, heavy Gruden on this one. In fact, they even were taking like some of his phrases, and if I was hearing things correctly, they almost put it into like a song type of deal early on in the show, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, that was very special. I loved that. It was so cool. It was very original. And also, I mean, we always talk about the mixes of the autumn wind that they do. There was at least one, if not two, kind of slower versions. I don't know, but they were very cool hearing them throughout the episode also. Yeah, we've been harping on this, and HBO just continues to hit this thing out of the park. The content that they're putting together on the fly, it's pretty damn special, man. HBO does great work, and they're really uh, reinforcing that with this Raiders Hard Knocks. For sure, it's very impressive. But like we talked about earlier, maybe the first episode, 
they had to step up their game and bring their A game for the Oakland Raiders. You can't do the Raiders or an iconic franchise like the Raiders, especially in the spot they are now with Gruden, Mayock, all these cool players. You can't do that and really half-ass it. You got to bring your A game. I'm going to go as far as to say the production quality behind the Raiders' hard knocks has been better than the final season of Game of Thrones. It's definitely been more entertaining for me, and I'm not <laughs> losing money along the way. Right. Yeah, if people don't know, you were uh, putting down some well-documented Game of Thrones prop bets. Yeah, I essentially spent $500 to watch the last episode or the last season <laughs> of Game of Thrones. Which is hilarious. I, that's now, why you stick to things that you actually can know, like football, not some Hollywood script. Exactly. Brenson Buckner opening up the show with the D, in the D-line room meeting, and he ends it with a phrase, the storm is coming, and then it goes into the autumn wind song. I thought that was a pretty badass intro, and Brenson Buckner has been very entertaining on this show. Yeah, it was a tremendous opening, and that's why we allowed the VIP listeners to hear it again in the opening of this episode. I mean, it's really just special. And there have been multiple special meetings and quotes, but that was one that really stuck out. I love the storm is coming. Goosebump worthy. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed Gruden on the practice field, making small talk with Carr. Carr asking him, you going out to eat tonight with Paul Gunther, the defense coordinator? And he says, Gruden responds, I'm going out with Mayock tonight. Where are you guys going? Are you going to eat with Gunther? I'm going out with Mayock tonight. Nice. Look at the roster. Oh, I got you. Nice. He says it as if it's like a date, like he's talking about a girl. Them talking dinner plans was hilarious. Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed that. And the Gruden car rapport that they're showing in the, you know, in these episodes is fascinating. And it does kind of come across like car is definitely shall I say, in awe of him, and he treads lightly. For sure. And he knows I don't his know. ground. And he that, knows that there's a line he be, can't cross. That just might be my interpretation. I'm not saying I'm seeing it right, and I'm not saying that's definitely what it is. No, but that's but what I'm noticing, and I'm usually pretty good at noticing shit like that. They definitely have a good friendship, if nothing more. Now, that might not ultimately keep car his job over the course of the next year or two right you could tell there's a mutual respect sure having said that it's one of these things that let's say even he has to get rid of car after this season it's one of those things when you talk to gruden 10 20 years down the road he'll talk about how car was one of his favorite players that's the kind of relationship that they have and let's not forget they already bought houses next to each other in vegas Sure, you don't just do that because you're hoping that you still have a job when they get there. Bingo. You like the guy. You want to spend time with the guy, and you want your families to be close over time. I found it interesting that they went back to the rookie songs in the meeting room, but people do get a good laugh out of that, and it it is funny. Sure, well, I love the idea that they can be called up at any time. That you always – it's almost – unbelievably great and i don't know if they did it because of this but you have to keep these rookies on their toes at all time and ready to perform when their number is called and it kind of signifies that 
where any meeting that you come in with the entire team, we may call you up and you have to stand there and not only talk to us, but sing for us. And also, just as simple as when they are in the meeting room, they have to be fully focused 1,000% because they know eventually their name's getting called and they got to head to the front of the room and perform. So they can't slack off in any of those meetings because they're on their P's and Q's and probably nervous getting ready to be called to sing a goofy-ass song. Now, I thought Keelan Das picked a good one, and I thought he sang it well. Keelan Das has been one of the stars of this show. He did My Girl. Yeah, I mean, he did a great rendition of it, or at least a decent rendition of it. Decent enough where I have to respect it. Now, I love the Usher You Got It Bad. I got back on my good graces after that dinner talk. But that stupid talk, he's got back on my good graces with that song choice because that to me is an absolute classic. And he did it well. He caught the notes of it where it came – like I I recognized that song immediately. I'm sorry. When you get the entire room singing and everybody digging this song, yeah, it's – not a negative it's one of the best ones that you get done no doubt and i even the coaching staff liked it i also love how gruden told the one guy to get the fuck out of here after a single line of his song i know you want to leave me but i refuse to let you go get the fuck out of here okay yeah that was fullback alec ingold i believe who yeah we were talking who we've been talking up the Trayvon Mullen, the second-round pick cornerback out of Clemson, he backed up his boy Renfro and did the same song. Yeah. And he was just as bad as Renfro, if not worse. Probably worse, because he and, knew how bad he actually was. And Gruden called him out on that. But I dig the camaraderie amongst the Clemson guys that he didn't let Renfro be the only abysmal rendition of that exact song. Yeah, they stick it's together, kind of and it's a cool good sign. Definitely, and yeah, they have a cool brotherhood, just in general with the entire team. And one of the ways you can see that, as stupid as it sounds, is the sweatshirts with the tight ends that not only I would die to have, but I love they're all in the fuzzy whites one day, they're all in the blacks another day. It's it's yes. a it's a camaraderie thing. Oh, what, I didn't now, get the memo? What, bro? I missed the memo. <laughs> Now, getting back to our conversation about last week and piggybacking off of that right there, I think Luke Wilson gets cut. I think he's one of the final cuts on this team. Uh, Just by the way, they had him play basically all four quarters of the third preseason game when three other tight ends did not dress. So Luke Wilson will be a good pickup for somebody if he doesn't stick with the Raiders. Sure, and HBO definitely, despite them not knowing probably who was getting cut unless they 
you know, in a meeting here or there, heard what a coach actually was saying, which is possible. They foreshadowed a bit with showing Luke Wilson in next week's previews when they said, and who won't be here anymore. And he was the guy that they showed. So you always wonder, did they hear something in a meeting that they didn't necessarily show and they know that he's probably gone? Or did they just happen to pick him because they also personally feel like he probably is getting cut? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation with two weeks of practice, well, a little under two weeks of practice left. A tight end could get hurt. Uh, something could happen. So you don't know, you know, how it's going to play out just yet. But I would say it's trending in the direction of seven-year veteran Luke Wilson getting the axe. I'm still not convinced that rookie wide receiver Keelan Doss is going to make the team, but he's certainly doing everything he can to make that happen. And when Gruden was on the sideline, I love how they did it. You know, Doss made a nice little catch. He goes, I like, I like this Doss. Then Doss made the dazzling catch on the sideline and got two feet in and Gruden goes, I love Doss. Yeah. Uh, but I'll say this, if nothing more, you look at him and he looks like, an NFL wide receiver on he that does. field. He does. He, he he moves like one. He catches like one. He runs routes like one. You look mm-hmm. at him and you go, even if he somehow doesn't make this squad, in about three, four years, he's still in this league as an NFL oh, receiver. Oh, no doubt. There's no doubt about that. He's yeah. going to make it. Now, to go back to Wilson real quick, just something goofy. I love how they say, if you got any questions, ask Luke. And some of the questions are unbelievable. Formal Canadian greetings. <laughs> How do I pay for things? <laughs> I, I, this is maybe my favorite. Is there a bartering system? <laughs> like you can no, just walk in places and just uh, be like, hey, I'll give you this for it instead. That was great. He's uh, well-liked in the locker room. Just another reason why he would be a very tough cut if that does indeed play out. Sure, and I also love how uh, it wasn't Gruden. I forget exactly who said it. However, he said he wanted to translate the script to French for him, and Wilson told him to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That might have been the tight end coach. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. But it it was one of the lower coaches for sure. Okay. Yeah, they've been focusing on that tight end group, rightfully so. It's an interesting group, some interesting storylines there. For sure, and it's okay if they have somewhat of a distraction in front of them. No doubt. Kabinda's mom, I thought actually was a heartwarming aspect of the show, and usually things like that can bore me, but, you know, we all love our mothers, and you only get one, and you could tell how much she loves him and how much she loves her and how much she supports him and vice versa. And it actually was really friggin' heartwarming for me. And I actually enjoyed that. And I'm not the type that usually gets that mushy over something like that. No, I hear you. It was very nice to see, having said that, I did cut him in my Raiders franchise last night. Having said that, uh, it was nice to see in real life. But I also give her credit. She's Nigerian, I believe. And uh, uh, from the Cameroon. Cameroon. Excuse me, but either way, this is not a sport she grew up watching by any means. So it was interesting just to see her honest take on it, and she was dead on saying, 
very similar yeah. things to what John Gruden was saying in the I moment. Know, I so know. So it was very also impressive to me, her just eye and understanding of just what's going on. I totally agree. Even when she's, even when uh, the lady she was sitting next to said something along the lines of, "Oh, he's out there a lot tonight," and uh, Kabinda's mom went, "Yeah, but that's good for him. Like, yeah. you know, get as much game tape as you can out there. So if you don't stick with the Raiders, you're going to, you know, have game tape out there for other teams to check out, and maybe you land somewhere else." Now, Kabinda's a nice player. I act all, all the roster projections as of now do have him making the team. I like the kid at Penn State. I liked some of the things he did last year as well. He's growing. You know, I, I, it's one of those things we'll see. As of now, I'm leaning yes, but it's possible he gets cut. He's definitely a roster bubble kind of guy. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he makes it or not by any means. He's definitely a roster bubble sort of player, but uh, listen, he seems like a nice guy. He seems like he has his pieces in order and his mom – I, I came away a big fan of, so I, I'm rooting for him to make the real team, despite the fact that in my Madden fan franchise he didn't make it. Am I overstating that by saying it was kind of, you know, uh, it, it showed a level of, of love, compassion. It gave that good message in this episode with the, the mother-son relationship. Am I taking that too far? No, Is you're not. And I being think romantic about the Raiders? Or not what? at all. And from a producer standpoint especially – you had John Gruden in a pissy-ass mood during that game. So it gave a little nice balance because Gruden was being a little harsh and a little negative, and while it was great theater, it, it allowed some balance in the episode. Agreed. Agreed. I'm glad we both land there. Now, getting back to this Canadian Winnipeg field deal, Gruden was, you could tell, livid about that situation. He wanted to play on the full 100-yard field. He didn't think the patch in the end zone was a big deal. I actually agree, but is what it is. And I could tell what he was most furious about was the no-kickoff thing. He said, yeah, the league office is going to see this and you know try to eliminate kickoffs. But you got to keep in mind, Gruden's a guy who doesn't like the challenge system. He doesn't like the less emphasis on contact in practice and in games. He's very anti the way they're changing the game. And Gruden isn't a guy that has to bite his tongue and be politically correct because any team would love to have him as their coach. So he doesn't have to, you know, play politics with it. And he's outspoken in a lot of ways against the changes of football in general. I know he a big part of his pissy mood was how irate he was with the field situation the 80 yards, and the no kickoffs. Well, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. I actually think he was really pissy about the Packers coach and their training staff that didn't allow it. I think he was more annoyed at them more than yeah, anything. the team doctors. Yeah, I, but also the coach. I think the if the coach makes the ultimate decision, probably, and I get the Packers coach going along with his doctors, but at the same time, this is some young coach uh, if yeah. For all I know, Gruden has no connections to him whatsoever. For all I know, doesn't necessarily like the guy. So, uh, Well, that's how it seems to me. Yeah, so it, to me, when he, he was talking to Carr about it, and I loved how Carr came up and approached him, looked at him in a way where, like, they didn't have to say anything. I know what you're thinking, and I know where you're at. Yeah. And I found it great how Gruden, uh, what I think he was trying to get at is, 
that pissy young ass coach that gets off the bus from Wisconsin and now won't play on a field. We're playing football. Maybe there's a hole in the field. I get it. You don't want to get anyone hurt. How long we've been playing football with holes in the field? Exactly. I think LaFleur is going to be a bust as a head coach. Now, will Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and some of that talent on that Green Bay team carry them at least this year? Maybe. How far? I don't know. But I think LaFleur is a bust of a head coach. You're talking about he had all those years that developed Mariota and Tennessee, and Mariota may be getting beat out this year by Ryan Tannehill. So I I don't know where his developmental skills are, and they were a run-first kind of offense. And in you know, and now he goes to a quarterback who is known to air it out. I don't I don't see the fit number one. And then when I look at him and I listen to him, I don't even see how he could command an organization or command a locker room for that matter. I think he's a bust, and it'll be interesting to see because the Raiders play the Packers. This year at Lambeau, and I think Gruden's going to carry, you know, a bug up his ass for this game and have the Raiders ready to rock in Lambeau and teach them a lesson because he left this with a bad mouth regarding LaFleur, a bad taste in his mouth. Oh, for sure Gruden's going to keep a bug up his ass about that. that. That to me just off the top of my head screams Raiders getting four going into Lambeau. Everyone loves the Packers. And the Raiders outright them. Having said all that, LaFleur is definitely an unknown commodity. I mean, it was a risk for the Packers to grab at him, jump at him. And who knows how it's going to work out. I'm certainly not sitting here demonizing the guy or saying he's going to bust out. He needs to prove a lot to me. I certainly don't love him as a head coach. Having said all of that, I do not only like the Packers offense, but I personally think the Packers have a lot of playmakers on their defensive side and could... The, and the talent could outweigh the coaching for a while. Yeah, no no doubt. And I alluded to that. And I could see that instance, of course, playing out as well. However, that's a tough division. The Bears, it, everybody's it, in love with. I still love the Vikings for this small window of the next couple years, too. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, someway, they're under 500 the next two years and lafleur has gone. And you know me, I, I kind of like Matt Stafford more than a little bit. And, you know, you're in year two of Patricia. They're getting a little bit better. You know, who's to say the Lions couldn't steal a game from LaFleur's Packers? I certainly think the Lions are at least a six-win team this year, and I wouldn't be shocked if they jumped even to eight or even nine. Uh, yeah. That's outrageous, and I don't think they'll do it, but I wouldn't. I, a lot more would shock you, me. Yeah, you wouldn't be blown away flabbergasted if it happened. A lot more things in the league would shock me than the Lions being over 500 and sneaking into a wild card spot. I totally am with you there. Now, getting onto the field, Gruden is um, so proud of Nathan Peterman, which let's call this what it is. Nathan Peterman is a pet project cast off. And in Gruden's mind, he's saying, The entire media and most of the coaches in the league casted him off. Let me show my developmental skills and how I could get this kid to play good ball in my system just to prove how much better of a quarterback whisperer and offensive genius I am than, say, a Sean McVay 
or you know some of the other names in the league. I think this is almost a little bit of an ego thing for Gruden, and I'm not mad at it because it's not necessarily ego. It's that competitive edge that makes him so great, the will to win, the will to be great. And I think Peterman, I've been saying it from offseason activities, I believe he's going to make this team as the third quarterback. Sure. I, I mean, Peterman did a fantastic job and did everything he could in that game to get himself a spot on this team. Now, I, I do think he's a bit of a pet project. I also think, though, that John Gruden just looks back and says, Nate Peterman is a guy with talent. Everybody would agree to that. But everybody, kind of the cast over him has been that he's shell-shocked from this first go where he threw all these picks and all the picks he threw in that rookie year. But personally, I I think Gruden believes in his confidence to get past that and has gotten past that. And I think Gruden isn't worried about taking on a guy who has this dark cloud cast over him by the league just because he threw a bunch of picks as a rookie. I agree. And let's not leave this out. Gruden instilled that confidence in him. Yeah. You know, if he, if he went down to Miami, Brian Flores wasn't going to instill any confidence in him. Sure, because he, he would go with to... there with the dark cloud over him. Oh, the, the, right. the rest of the NFL will still carry over him despite where he goes. Right. And, and Gruden said, look, just get me to the 35 yard line and we'll win the game. And he did. He hit the game winner. The sideline went nuts. And I don't know if you noticed, but Antonio Brown says to Gruden, this is getting fun, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Gruden goes, yeah, just don't miss the flight home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. Real good. And, and then when, uh, you know, the next scene cut, I thought it was really cool how Antonio Brown visited the high school out there and was having fun with the kids, signing autographs, taking selfies, videos. I thought that was neat to ingratiate himself in the community. He doesn't have to do that. He's only going to be there for a few months before they go to Vegas. Sure. And let's be honest, he also didn't have to get embraced by them. Like he could have showed up, waved his hand and done his thing privately he embraced them he he's a man of the people honestly he, AB, he despite is. what everybody says ab is a man of the people he is and those two old heads on the sideline were kind of telling him the same thing they one guy even said and the audio wasn't too clear but he said hey people who not everybody does that you have you must have a big heart he said and Antonio Brown smiled and nodded his head and said, I do. It's all love. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. He really is, he, and he, he loves is. to play ball, and he just loves football in general. Mm-hmm. And that's what Gruden likes about him. That's what I like about him. And, frankly, that's what's made him a Hall of Famer. He's already a Hall of Famer. So, you know, at 31 years old, to be able to say that, yeah, I think he's going to have a hell of a year, just and a career as a Raider. Honestly, I, I do too. I think it's going to be. I think it's you know me, Benny. You know what I've been preaching, and I'm I am positive about this uh, because it is John Gruden, because it is Mike Mayock, because of the move to Vegas. But I think a Super Bowl ring is in their very near future. I I, I totally agree, or at the very least. An AFC championship ring is coming to them very, very soon. Okay, and I'm right there with you. Now, real quick, want to just go back to this. I didn't know Mike Myers was Canadian. 
when they were talking about who's the more famous Canadian Drake or yeah, for some reason I didn't know that, and you know me, I'm a huge Austin Powers guy. Yeah, I knew Mike Myers was Canadian. Now I have to argue, Alan Thicke is the most famous Canadian. I mean, there's a lot of famous Canadians. Not it's Cecil, Wayne Gretzky, uh, I think. Prince, Prince Fielder. <laughs> yeah, I or Vlad Jr. Right. Even there though you I go. think we, he was, I think he was Dominican. Well, where was he? He might have been born in Montreal when Vlad played there. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? I guess that, you know, Prince Fielder was born in Canada. So was Joey Votto. I mean, there's a lot of good Canadian athletes. We know that in all the sports. Steve Nash was pretty good. Yeah. MVP. But anywho, when practice is ending, he said, guys, I want you to go out tonight, have fun, be gentlemen. And then he goes, just bring me the receipt. And the players are shouting, drinks on group. Drinks yeah. on group. Well, here's but- the exact quote. Uh, uh, you missed a very important part to me because this is the part I especially loved. To end the post-practice speech, he says, tip the waitresses. Have some class. I want you to have a good time tonight. Be smart. All right? Tip the waitresses. Have some class. Let's all stay together. Have some fun, man. Let's get a break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring me the receipt. All right. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I love that. It's and so good. Right. It's so good. And it's little things like that why these why these players love him. He's you know, it, it's not like he's this old, old figure because there's many coaches older than him. Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Bruce Arians. So he doesn't come across as like a father figure coach just yet. But in some ways he does. You know, just saying things like that, words of wisdom, breaking balls, giving a little bit of advice, but still teasing. He's, he's just cool. Well, that game with the numbers he tried to play with one of those players, that I, I don't know how he does that, let alone anybody. I didn't even understand the concept. I lost the rules as soon as he said them. Yeah, and DeMornay L. Pearson, the receiver he was saying it to, who caught a touchdown in the preseason game, he goes, oh, that's that mad genius stuff right there. Yeah, huh? which is amazing. <laughs> and John goes, yup. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. All counting down by three, but still, yeah, it's funny. It, it was impressive. Honestly, I also love there are two quotes that I absolutely love from Gruden and they're both him asking questions, but there's no real answer. The first one, and it was in one of those songs that we touched earlier where they infuse John Gruden quotes into it. He said, you guys like it? You guys oh, love it good. or like that it? I love that how I love how he asked if they like it, like he's truly curious, and now he's like excited, like, do you love it? Do you like it? Do you love it? <laughs> yeah, I love guess that. What? There's a difference. There is a difference for sure. And, but I just love it. It's like he works at Coldstone Creamery. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, giving out samples. Of the ice uh, yeah, it, it was just so funny. Like a little kid, like he made a jog and go, do you like it? Do you do you like it or do you love it? Yeah, that's how he mind fucks these guys, man. It's great. I love it. It's and great. I, I also love in these meetings, obviously. Well, one, I want to touch on how much I still love Knock on Wood. And it, it it's so great. And I loved how they did that whole song with it. But another point of it, and I don't know if you caught this, but frequently he infuses some wood puns or things associated to wood along with saying it. Things like, Keep stacking wood, knock on wood, or 
Let's keep ch let's keep cutting. Knock on wood. And it's things that just get associated with wood was amazing. I I really think it's important that he does that before knock on wood to really hammer home that point. See what I did? And there? I don't. Oh, hammer home. Yeah, 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 yeah see yeah, that. Yeah. That was good, Benny. That was good. I, at first I missed it, and then I, you know, that right. It took a second to register. That was good. You got some Gruden in you. Yeah, well, knock on wood if you're with me, Marky. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. And when he asks these questions, typically they all say the answer because the question he asks, they already know the answer to. However, this one question, I don't understand how he expected them to guess this. He goes, we have every reason to be what, men? And then he sits there silently and then goes, bullshit. <laughs> how did they? How did you expect them to come up with that's what they are, bullshit? We have every reason to be what? Bullshit. <laughs> it cracked me up how he it expected the room to know it and literally not a single person in the room had heard that saying before clearly nobody said a word we have every reason to be what today bullshit too good man unbelievable good. he the way he talks i mean you know when you have a 90 man roster and a coaching staff you got to be able to hold people's attention Especially when you're when you yourself are an attention to detail guy, a huge playbook, you know. So this is just the essence of John Cruden, and what makes him so great is by him being him and him doing his natural spiel, his natural shtick. It just holds people's attention, and they're interested, and they tune in, and they lock in. And if they don't, he kicks their ass out of town. Yeah, I it's, totally it's, agree, it's man. It's can't miss. I it's totally agree. Miss. I love the guy. It, 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 he's just hard not to love, it, and I don't understand the people who don't, but that's clearly their prerogative, and they are clearly entitled to that. Now, two things I wanted you to notice. No Mike Mayock sightings whatsoever yep. on this episode. Now, I told you that from the get-go. It would probably wouldn't be a lot of Mike Mayock. I think our listeners need to know that Mike Mayock and John Gruden have final say on every final cut of Hard Knocks before it airs. I think that's pretty interesting right there. Sure. I also wonder how much Mayock is actually saying that either A, he's going to let them keep, or B, like I said in a previous episode, I think they're just smart enough to save the conversation sometimes to a phone call later oh, that night that I'm well, sure bingo, they always sure. have. So at that point, at a certain point, I don't know how much Mike Mayock is saying. I could see him sitting in his office damn near by himself a lot of these days or just, you know, talking little minor bullshit that they'll never air. Now, also, something I talked about on our first recap, there has still not been any mention of Las Vegas. Yeah. And we only have one episode to go. I find that fascinating. For sure. Well, it's definitely interesting. I thought they would bring it into view sooner. Like I said, it might be a black eye that the NFL and the Raiders both agreed with HBO to not talk about and not show because they didn't want to put any real light onto it and, and draw away from Oakland. Having said that, can't you just see and I have no idea, but can't you just see the last episode opening with walking around the Las Vegas construction site? 
And I could see it closing with that. Too. Okay, uh, true. I could see that as well. I, I just think that's a perfect opening. It makes sense. It's the last episode. You're opening up the idea of Vegas to them, but closing out on Oakland. Very true. And something else. With these construction projects, noticeable progress is made in four and five and six and seven-day windows. So they were like, Maybe they are saying, hey, let's wait till the final week of the show, end of August, early September, and, you know, the stadium construction will be even further along and we'll be able to give an even better view of the stadium, you know, progress, stadium construction progress on the yeah. show. Yeah, I don't know. That, that could have something to do with it, or they could altogether not put it in there at all. Well, that was mainly a reason why I thought they might not give the Raiders it this season because I didn't know if they would want to shine any light on a team moving, especially a historic franchise that's already once moved out of this city and now is moving out of it again. I, I could see them totally having agreed with HBO that if you're going to do this, we don't mention it at all. And I think that's very possible. The Raiders were allowed to set a pretty stringent round rules the Raiders are a secretive franchise a secretive organization John Gruden and Mike Mayock believe strongly in that as well you know that's a, clearly something that stems from the legendary Al Davis but they've kept that air about them because it is significant and it, it is important to have uh, you know any organization in, in in multiple kind of industries you know you got to keep a tight lid so I don't, you know, I don't begrudge them for that. I admire it, and I respect it, and I understand it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they're a very secretive organization, and that's why, just like Las Vegas, we haven't gotten any views into their evil headquarter lair in a hollowed-out volcano that they run most of their secret meetings in. <laughs> exactly. That's where all the game plans get put in. Yes, to bring up another Austin Powers Of reference. course. Of course. Love that scene with Will Ferrell too when he gets uh, when he gets you know that trap door opens and I believe he's getting burned to death. Yes, I'm severely burned. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. It's so good. Something I think the VIP listeners might find interesting. They all know that Sam Gash, All Pro fullback Sam Gash, had agreed to come on the show and went missing on us. Former Eagle and Raider and Saint and this man played for John Gruden Eric Allen had agreed to come on the show and then went missing on us so you know like I said gang I hope you believe me because if I was trying to really put on some impressive stuff here I, I wouldn't give you those two names but Eric Allen a player I loved and uh, you know will always remember fondly uh, agreed to join us, but uh, went missing, just like Sam Gosh did. But we hope to get Eric on some other time. Well, I, I'm sure they'll believe us once we're getting arrested and interrogated about the missing of Eric Allen and Sam The Gash. disappearance Yes, of... the disappearance of those two fine ex-NFL players. Seriously, man. But the final episode is going to be a good one. I cannot wait for these league-wide roster cuts. 
As of tonight, this is Hard Knocks After Dark. This is Tuesday night. We're approaching Wednesday morning now, which is exciting all in itself because that means it's one day closer to the season. But Mike Mayock is working the phones. The Raiders are looking at potential trade opportunities. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if you do see them make a move. As Derek Carr alluded to on the show, we're going to be cutting some good players. And Gruden agreed, and he said, and some good men, and that's what makes it hard. Yeah, well, we talked multiple times about just the infusion of talent at all levels that this team has. And when you're one of those teams, other teams have their eye on some of your lower fringe guys. And, you know, if you can trade a guy, get some value, and keep another guy who you like as well now, then it's a win-win everywhere. I'm with you, and it, that is the truth. Um, no, uh, you know you can't dispute that. That is the truth. It's going to be a good finale. It's the type of thing you wish they could carry it into the season, but we know that's just not clearly not possible. But man, would that be wild? Yeah. Well, I think they have some other shows that are devoted to that, but I don't think the Raiders will ever, at least at the moment, be a part of that. That is absolutely correct. They've done their Benny, obligation. Now, how did the mailbox do during this episode? Were any questions being fired in or what? None. Okay. That's okay. We answer most of these questions anyway throughout the week on social media. Yeah, the airwaves were silent today for us, but that's all right. Uh, like you said, I think we <laughs> filled in the guests just fine. I don't think they need the questions today. Uh, I think we'll have an influx next week, especially after the final episode, moving into the season, some more real predictions and some guesses about where these Raiders are going to go this season. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, happy Labor Day to all the listeners. We appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope you enjoy this weekend of the final weekend of the summer. Some say that. I believe September is a beautiful month. You could still go go to on the beach somewhere and enjoy it september is great down the shore wherever you're at it's a still a time to enjoy nice weather yeah i i love labor day because really it signifies football coming back and really we're all laboring to get to football season so to me it just makes perfect sense exactly and week zero of college football was pretty cool we went i mean we're back we're back so i'm excited and, you know, now we got all these college games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, preseason. Every team plays their preseason game this Thursday. Uh, Hard Knocks finale, obviously a week from tonight. It's it's going to be great, man. We're, we're, but we're pretty much back. I'm looking forward to these games like you wouldn't believe. And I cannot wait to see how this plays out for not just the Raiders, but every team in the NFL. It's so fascinating. It's a year-to-year league, and anything can happen. Yeah, seriously, man. I am so stoked and amped up on this season. I'm itching to get back. Um, I can't wait to watch some real college games this weekend, a full slate of them. I love waking up, seeing the kickoffs, watching college game day before that. It's just something special, and it's also cool having it for a week or two before NFL hits because then it just – it gets you even more excited. You are fully back, and at the same time, you still have NFL football right around the corner. So as soon as we get to that NFL card, I will be a happy boy. Uh, Benny, I got two TVs set up. 
I have my MacBook, which is a one of the bigger inch screens. I got my iPad. So that's my I got games on all those screens. That's my command center. I'm just going to be hunkered down all fall and early winter digging into college and NFL football. Of course, I'm going to take a few trips to a few Raiders games. But other than that, I'm going to be really locked in to college and NFL ball this year. This is this is my cherry pie, Benny. It doesn't get any better than this. Well, I love how you just teased me into that without even knowing because I was already going to put you and the rest of Raider Nation on notice. I will be at Oakland Raiders' last home game of the season. I want to be there for their last game in Oakland. Hell, we might even reach out to the team, try and simulcast a podcast from the final game or even before the game, go down into the Black Hall, talk to some of the fans. I think it would be a hell of an experience, and I want to be there. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and we've gotten a few requests already. September 9th, they want us to do a live post-game show we're pre-recorded, frankly, of the Raiders-Broncos opening Monday nighter. And some people have asked for it to be simulcasted on video and, of course, podcast. I mean, that would YouTube. be special. It would be. It's going to be a wild night. That's usually a party night for me, that opening Monday nighter. It's almost like tradition. The Raiders always seem to get that game every damn year. And it's... You know, it's something that we have to discuss with our production team, but maybe we can make that happen for the listeners. Sure, and like you said, it seems like the Raiders are always on that opening Monday night game. Funny enough, I didn't research this myself, but I did hear that the Raiders and the Broncos are the most popular or the most frequent Monday night game. And that makes total sense. Yeah, they're a fixture for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's cool. It's cool that they have this history, not only as division rivals and all, but at the end of the day, this Monday night football history that nobody else has. No doubt. But that's it for me, Benny. So unless you got anything else, I'm ready for the finale. All right. Yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank the listeners. I want to thank Marky. I want to thank HBO and the Raiders. It's been a special four episodes. I cannot wait until next week for the fifth episode. So until next week, you are at the one and only Las Vegas Raiders Lounge Podcast. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Let's go Raiders on three. One, two, three. Raiders.